Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Episode 37, uh, the second installment of a miniseries about online dating and how it revolutionized relationships and dating, opening up new ways that we could just connect with people, essentially. Uh, But, you know, before we get in, you know, we want to remind people to follow us on Instagram. So at underscore the underscore department. And you can also find a bunch of, you know, great information and show notes on our website, thedepartment.world. Also, you know, we always say it, if you've got a moment and you've got the Apple Podcasts app, you make sure to leave us a star rating. Um, And if you've got maybe two more moments, leave us a review (laughs) on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a novel. It could be. No, I mean, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, you know, we, we, we've kind of transitioned from the 2000s nostalgia, um, you know, of hipsters and all of that into more of this dating. Um, it is definitely nostalgia, but there's definitely going to be a lot of funny um, references. So we would love to hear your ratings on that as well. Um, but, you know, please also make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast streaming service so you get alerted of any of our drops that we have coming. And as always, we want to hear your stories about online dating or it's any... amazing uh, to get these. I know. It's been so... It's like therapy for me to hear your stories. Yes. <laughs> um, but we also want to hear from you anytime you have an idea, a question, a trend you're seeing, whatever. You can call the hotline at 717-925-7417. Or you can email us a voice memo recorded on your phone or computer. You can also just type us a long-ass email, and we'll read it out loud. Uh, Right now, we're specifically looking for, and this was requested by, I don't think I'm overstating this, by our number one fan, Mr. Ty McBride, has requested that we collect some online gay dating apps stories. We're trying, Ty, if you're listening to this, we really want you to come back on the show and share the stories with us. I texted you about this. Ty, don't make me text you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'd love to hear those stories because to be fair, we have been presenting a lot of heteronormative shit right now and we don't want to be like that. I specifically would love to hear any stories you have or have heard about catfishing because the next episode is going to be about catfishing. Uh, not like mm-hmm. actually getting out like the fishing rod and putting on your waders, but the act of tricking someone into dating you. I don't know. It's like way more complicated than that. Anyway, we would also love to hear your experiences with these sort of like new online dating phenomena like ghosting Mm -hmm. or this weird pen palling thing that we touched on or anything else Mm -hmm. you've seen happening. We have one message to share with you tonight. I mean, I have a couple more messages, but I'm trying to pace myself here. And this one is from Danny of Picnicware. I think this she's a second-time caller, and it's about missed connections. 
Hi, Kim and Amanda. So I hear you're looking for online dating stories from the early aughts, and uh, I think I've got one for you. So you had both mentioned different examples of different like ways to online date back then. So like, okay, CupidMatch.com. But one thing you forgot to bring up was dun da 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 missed connections on Craigslist. So if y'all out there don't know what Miss Connections is, um, basically it was like a feature on Craigslist, maybe still is, um, you know, a really good place for a 19 year old girl uh, to be looking for love. Or maybe, I guess I was 20 at this point. Um, actually, I Googled it on, on uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia to see the definition because I like didn't really know how to explain it. But basically it says, a misconnection is a type of personal advertisement which arises after two people meet but are too shy or otherwise unable to exchange contact details. The misconnection section of Craigslist gets thousands of ads of this type every month in New York City, San Francisco, and Seattle. So I don't think every city has it, but like some of the bigger cities do. So um, I think Kim had mentioned this in a previous episode, but meeting people in New York dating, it was really, really hard. Um, And also I basically went to an all-girls school going to FIT and I was super shy around guys. So I wasn't really able to approach someone at a bar or a party. It just that was just not something I could do. So misconnections became kind of an addiction for me. Um, I said that I wasn't like looking for myself, but like, come on, who are we kidding? Of course I did. I don't think I ever wrote anything about seeing someone as far as I can remember, but I mean, I could have, it's possible. Um, But my friends knew I was obsessed with it. Uh, So this is kind of a side note before the story in question that I'm about to tell you about my one friend, Joy, same friend who I did the hipster scavenger hunt with decided to plant a fake one for me, which was like definitely like very, very rude, but we got over it. I forgave her. We're still friends to this day. Anyways, like I said, that's not the story we're here for. So a couple months later, this was like early 2008, Joy and another friend of mine, Jessica, we moved to South Park Slope um, out of our dorms, and we really loved the neighborhood. It was close to the park. It was really great. But at the same time, it was it was no Williamsburg at the time, which was like where all the young people were. So it was, you know, tricky to meet people, and we weren't meeting a lot of people our age, um, but one day we went to our local wine store and like I said, we were 20, we were underage, but the guy who ran the wine store, Adam, Adam of Adam's wine, he, you know, would, it was a Friday night. So he like gave us shots and we were having fun and we were singing this artist, Ida Maria. I can't remember where she's from, but we had just seen her at, uh, not Union Pool, but Union the other one that was in Park Slope. Anyways, so we're singing and these three cute AF boys walk in and they're like, you know, typical hipsters. They're all wearing glasses and they kind of sing along with us a little bit. Like they definitely acknowledge that they know what we're singing and we were like super smitten. We end up doing shots, all five of us. And we're just kind of like casually flirting, but we end up leaving and then that was it. I just took a beat so I could like, you know, 
tell the rest of the story and I looked up the song that we were singing because I couldn't remember how it went and the lyrics are I like you so much better when you're naked I like me so much better when you're naked it's a fucking good song but like what the fuck we were singing that in this wine store um anyway so so fast forward to a few days later joy finds the misconnection so she's making fun of me being obsessed with misconnections but clearly she was looking to and it was from one of the three boys they wrote a misconnection about us they said something about like we had all had terribly bad eyesight you were singing ida maria um and it was just so clear they talked about the wine store and we freaked out like did not get any work done that day we were flipping out we couldn't believe what was going on um so we hit them back and turns out they lived on the other end of park slope and um we met them in prospect park at like the picnic table area and um it was like i was like smitten with one of them specifically and anyways the story doesn't even like get much better than that because anyway he turned out to be like a total hipster dirtbag but I was just like you know silly girl just kind of like went with it and wouldn't let him you know ignored the red flags he told me a story about so he was from Seattle originally he told me a story about how he was dating this girl they lived together he was a little bit older they lived together and um he got into NYU, later dropped out, got into NYU, didn't tell his girlfriend, packed up in the middle of the night while she was sleeping, and drove across the, started driving across the country. Like, literally didn't even dump her, like, just left in the middle of the night. And he tells me this story in the beginning of us dating, and I wasn't like, oh, you're a total dirtbag, I should not be dating you. I was just like, ah, whatever. Anyways, young and stupid, but he ended up breaking up with me via text message, uh, as, as you could imagine that to go. I mean, it seems like it was better than just like leaving me in the middle of the night, but anyways, that was Jasper. He's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, so that's my story. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. I have looked at misconnections and honestly, this is basically like winning the lottery. <laughs> I mean, this story is phenomenal. And the fact that she had a misconnection, oh my God, is absolutely, a, it's, I mean, having a misconnection is winning the lottery. And then this one in particular is just glorious. And not only that, but it just checks so many trend boxes. Uh-huh. We got a Jasper. Like, the name itself. Can I just say that I know so many people with a dog named Jasper? That was the first thing I thought about. I feel like Jasper has to be in the, like, top 100 dog names. <laughs> yeah. We also have we have, a, we have a text breakup. I know. Oh, see, now talk about an online dating phenomenon right there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yep. yep. I think a text breakup. We've got um, a, a, a group hang like date. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And we have the obviously misconnection as a trend, which I think is pretty great. What other trends do you feel like? Was there any other ones in there in wine? Um, sing- singing in stores. Guys telling you things on early dates that they shouldn't tell you. Oh, d- dismissing red flags. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I had a dollar <laughs> for every first date I went on where a guy was like, 
complaining about his ex, calling her crazy, or talking about some other really just terrible behavior that he specifically had engaged in. I mean, I would have at least $100 because I feel like that is like (laughs) a new trope that has been emerging in this century where I'm like, why would you Mm -hmm. do that? Why would you on the first date be like, and then I ghosted my longtime girlfriend? Like, what? I packed up and left overnight. And you're like, oh, you're so dreamy. You know, he, you know what? (laughs) He thinks that story is cool. He thinks he's some like Clint Eastwood drifter type who's like real sexy and mysterious and aloof. And that is just major red flag. That's like many flags. And you're like, well, and you're like, you're like, but he chose me. Like that's how you feel like, you yeah, know? That's I mean, true. believe me. It's true. Do you think this is like We've all fell, fell for that trap. Oh, for sure. Do you remember episodes ago when we talked about mystery and the like what was that show in yes. VH1? The the one where he was like helping men learn how to meet women. And I remember like the one of the tricks that would always come up was negging. So you would go up to a woman and say something yes. that made her feel bad and then say something that made her feel good. And I feel like by telling that kind of story to Danny, it's saying like, yeah, I am capable of doing these things and I do it to women and it's supposed to make you feel special, but it just makes you look like a jerk, you know? Did I ever tell you that I was mystery for Halloween once? (laughs) Yes. And I think that is an amazing costume. Uh, You should be dressing as that every year. But everyone just thought I was a pimp. Similar. <laughs> now I feel like people would be like, are you Fred Durst or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but nobody really knew what I was. <laughs> it's a good one. Such a good one. Um, I had – so in Portland, we had on the back cover of the Mercury, which was the free weekly, we had I Saw You's, which are misconnections. And I had one once when I was, you know, working at Urban Outfitters where someone had come in and saw me and did a post about it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to meet this person. I meet this guy at a bar, and Kim, I can barely remember anything about it except that he was, like, shit-faced before I got there. <gasps> and he was just so drunk and so creepy, and then he wanted to come Wait, home with me. Okay, hold on. Okay. Can, you got to back it up here. Okay. You had a misconnection. Yes. What, what was the misconnection? I think that I rang him up at Urban Outfitters. <laughs> what a connection. <laughs> And he, like, talked about wow. how I rang him up for, like, a return, and I had really pretty eyes and, like, I what I was wearing. <gasps> okay. And, and how did you know it was you? Oh, he knew what you were wearing. Yes, yes. And everybody was like, it's okay. you, it's you. Like, someone had literally cut it out and, like, taped it to my little cubby in the office. This is when I was a manager there. <gasps> oh, my God. And I mean, like, the rarity of a misconnection is, I know, you know. I know. And so it was, like, kind of exciting, right? Because you look at them every week, you know? Like, mm-hmm. with this little bit of hope that maybe someone will have missed a connection with you. And uh, I met him at a bar that wasn't that far from Urban Outfitters after work one night. So maybe it was like 10 when I got there. And he was just wasted, like sloppy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just, it wasn't good. Bad look, bro. Yeah, yeah. And I'm usually, I see a red flag and that makes me lean in more. You know, I'm Terrible taste, apparently. But uh, I just – something about him wasn't sitting right. And it was too bad because, like, I have to say, he was kind of cute. But there was just something weird about it. And then, like, he tried to come home with me. And I had to pretend I was going to a friend's house. It was just all of this. Like, it left a very bad taste in my mouth. And he definitely texted me, like, 100 times after that. And I just – 
I just didn't like it. I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. I actually, instead of going home, I went to another bar and hung out with all my friends and got wasted myself. <laughs> but you have this amazing story to retell. Amazing. I think that Danny's is way better because she got to know the person more. Like, you know, you can't hold much of a good conversation with someone who's super drunk. And I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I swear the reason that he was super drunk, according to him, is he had befriended all these cab drivers at the bar. <laughs> And they were all, like, wasted oh. together. It was just, like, a weird scene to walk into. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was a good time, though. Like, that with that time period is a good time. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, misconnections yeah. and, like, hanging out with cab drivers. Pretty fun time. <laughs> Remember cab drivers, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, Kim has some really exciting information for you. I can't wait to hear about this because it's something I only know a little bit about. All right. Well, you know, this week I wanted to explore how the inception of online connections changed the trends in monogamy in the 2000s all the way through the present day. Um, So I guess since the inception of the chat room, the internet became practically a breeding ground for naughty behavior. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) We quickly learned in the 90s when we started to have the ability to chat and email with each other that the definition of infidelity needed to be redefined to include considerations for online relationships. I remember the shift happening and a lot of conversations around it, like, you know, storylines on primetime TV, which quickly became fodder for kind of junky afternoon talk show drama, <laughs> like, you know, Sally, Jeffy, Jesse, Raphael's. Oh. Do you remember this, Amanda? Dude, I there is actually an app you can watch on Roku called Pluto, and they have one mm-hmm. channel that's just 90s talk shows all the time. So it's like Sally, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes they have some Donahue on there, Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake, and Dustin and Dylan got really into watching it last summer. Yeah. Uh, it holds up. It's very entertaining. Sally is mostly about kids who go to boot camp or – moms who are too sexy who get makeovers. I remember like in like late 90s that like, we started to see like like I met my fiance on, you know, online or and I've never met them before. Like things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what led to all this catfishing. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> or I, I'm married and um, I'm at the love of, love of my life online. Like weird stuff like that. Like a lot of those start those new conversations started to ha- happen. You know what this is reminding me of, actually? Yeah, sure. So um, my freshman year of college, I was in a pretty serious relationship with a woman from one of my classes, and. It's, we were going to, I I can't, I, you know, and the way that you can only when you're a teenager make really foolish life plans, we were going to move in together the next year of school, but she started chatting with some guy on the internet who lived in Oregon, Mm -hmm. who was like 20 years older than us. This is already super creepy, right? Yes. And he wore his hair in a really long braid and she ended up dropping out of school and moving to Oregon to be with him. (gasps) I wonder if they're still together. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay, so this is all coming back to me. But one time when I was working at Urban Outfitters a million years ago, she was in there. <gasps> but I didn't go up and talk to her because I felt oh so God. weird. But I wonder, were they still together at that point or did she just settle there? 
Wow. I know. Do you remember what her last name is? Yes, I have Googled her. I feel her. like you, you have to look it up. I have Googled her. It seemed like she lived in Portland for quite a while. I, I don't know if she's mm. still there, but uh, she's not like really active on social media. But mm. anyway, okay. it's true. People would meet each other on the internet and move across the country. Yeah. Why? It, well, it was a brand new space. And AOL in the 90s was an absolutely insane space to connect suddenly with anyone, anywhere, anytime. And it was the wild, wild west. Yeah. There were no restrictions. And Amanda, you have seen Pen15. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. Yeah. And parents actually had no idea that this was like a cesspool of potential stranger danger. <laughs> and like most kids, myself included, particularly coming from a relatively sheltered upbringing, we had like literally no concept of this new world around us, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, no one did, you know, like. No. It's not like your parents <laughs> no. would have ever guessed that you might be chatting with some rando dude. You no. know, it's kind of scary now that we're talking about it. No, no, of course. And of course now there's like so many parental controls. Yeah, and yeah like totally. That. And my sister would come – my sister Stephanie would kill me if I did not mention the story. She near, mere, nearly murdered me if I – you know, uh, we had some conversations earlier on and I didn't bring it up. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. And I promise I will be getting – I'll be getting to my point in a minute, but <laughs> just I'm, I'm veering off. So in 1996, Swingers, the movie, rose to widespread popularity. You know, I was about 16 years old. And by the way, that movie does not hold up. Do not watch it again. I don't, don't necessarily recommend it. It was also when AOL chat was sweeping the nation. And we were all kind of setting up our screen names at that time. So I chose the the word swinger as my handle after the trendy word. Stop. <laughs> oh my god. Then AOL gave me like this assorted number since there were already <laughs> already a bunch of swingers. <laughs> so my my handle and my sister and I went back and forth on what it was, but it was something like Swinger six eight nine. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! <laughs> it was basically taken right from Pen Fifteen, and so naturally from the Midwest in the nineties, and very naive. We, it, you know, we had no idea that it was basically the chat name to get completely propositioned all the time. We had no idea that Swinger also had a lot of other sexual meanings. So every time every time I was in the chat room, all these dudes were trying to take me into private chats. Oh all, like, my all the time. God, stop. And I thought it was just kind of normal and I was always declining because I had no interest in talking to strange men, you know? Thank God. So many other kids would have yeah. been like, hi, yeah, here's my, here's a yeah. picture of me without a shirt. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, gross. No, no interest. And of course, you know, my profile says, because you had to put your profile up there. Like it was like, you put your profile, remember it was like, you put your age, mm-hmm. you put like, it, like your, your, your sex, your age. So it would be like female, 16 to seven years, 17 years old. And I know that it was just like some sort of weird kindling for creeps. Ugh. So yeah, 
My uh, my my first time experience on AOL was, was Swinger 689. <laughs> uh uh so i mean you know a nice experience of of basically being propositioned constantly anyway so the newfound ability to covertly have conversations created a whole new set of circumstances and definitions of what infidelity meant and even the more lazy or socially distanced cheaters had access to potential cheating options. So the definition had to include like this, basically a new concept, like a romantic or, and or sexual relationship with someone other than their spouse or significant other, which begins with an online contact that is maintained mainly through electronic conversations that occur through email or chat rooms. Like that was the new definition that, that didn't exist previously. I know that we kind of, it sounds so like archaic now, but back then it was like, it was brand new and kind of like, it was, it was, you know, something so like, you know, weird and uh, and unheard of. And now very interestingly, jumping forward to a recent study about online dating apps. So last year in 2020, a YouGov poll found that some 17% of users across all dating apps were there to cheat on their current partners. I mean, that's almost 20% of the people on dating apps are there to cheat on their partners. I mean, I definitely have quite a few female friends who have gone out on dates or multiple dates with guys who were cheating on their spouse or partner. And it always ends up coming up somehow. You watch Sex in the City, and they live in this time before all of this. And I mean, remember yeah. when Carrie like gets her AOL account, it's like shoe gal 69 or something. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, it's not swinger 689. It's, it's worse. It's worse. Um, worse. But Shoot, yeah. <laughs> it was always like, you know, you have to like look at the guy's hand and see if he has a ring, you know, right. and uh, which is like a habit that we don't know because we've never had to mm-hmm. do that. But what do you do when you're like on these weird dating apps? Now, another thing I will say, and maybe this is just because of like me trying to try internet da- dating briefly in Portland where everybody is polyamorous or something. Uh it seemed like three out of four people who messaged me wanted me to be like part of their open relationship and yes, no judgment. A lot of that. I know that that is a great yeah. situation for many people. I am like way too jealous. I like, there's no way I can do it. Yeah, you know? That's, yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I mean, I almost, maybe this is really negative of me, but I almost feel like 17% seems too low. Well, I, I was doing a little research on that pen pal situation. And I think we'll get into that, <laughs> you know, in an, another episode. Uh, but a lot of times these pen pals are people that are in other relationships and they are just using, using, using these dating apps just to have conversations with other people. That bums potentially me out. But potentially like maybe lead people on. Like maybe they may be in a relationship. They're kind of seeing where it's going. Like really weird stuff, you know? Anyway, you know, infidelity is big business, you know. Um, But before the pandemic, there were some really interesting trends in monogamy happening in the 2000s. You know, essentially before before the early aughts 
And then through the 90s, you know, right before that, people 18 to 55 were more likely to have extramarital affairs than older people. And then in 2004, the lines essentially crossed and it just switched. And then the older folks apparently reported having more affairs and like a lot more affairs. So what's this have to do with adult friend finder? <laughs> do you remember? Uh, I sometimes like to think about like, okay, so it goes back to the early days of Facebook when Facebook was like not yeah. as fancy as it is right now. And you would have all those yeah. ads on the sidebar that were just complete garbage. Like Obama says single moms can go to college or I yes. made yes, yes. get rid of belly fat with this one crazy yeah. trick. And there would always be one for adult friend finder. And while I've never clicked on it, I'm going to tell you, it was only in recent years that I found out that adult friend finder wasn't a place for adults to find friends. Because I'd always looked yeah. at it and I was like, yeah, I hear that as you get older, it's harder to meet people as friends. It must be like a social group where you make friends. But I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Dustin who was like, uh, no, it's where people do like swinging and sex and stuff like that. And Yes, I was, it's like for finding affairs. And, <gasps> oh, yeah, and, my God. But, and I feel like now that I know that, I just assume that it's like this older crowd using it. It is. I think it actually is for the older crowd. And then – you know, and I think it's also what I'm about to get into. Um, it also appeals to that. I think it's the digitization of the access mm-hmm. of being able to, you know, to meet people online. Right, right. Um, well, it's easier. Adult friend finder. Adult friend finder. <laughs> like, people just need to find friends. That's, well, you can't go to the church. The church group's yeah, not going to help you find friends. I seriously that for a long time. And they'd be like, you know, when you move to a new city, you and I have experienced mm-hmm. this. It can be hard to meet people. It is. Imagine being like, you know, I'm going to make some new friends and going on adult friend finder because I feel like mm-hmm. it's like really sexual, like not just any I mean, of it. You know, I feel like it would tip you off because they do have their commercials like only after 11. <laughs> well, adults stay up later, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, this trend of, you know, older people having extramarital affairs significantly more after 2004, you know, was the, and then people, you know, underneath that and having like a decrease was happening, you know, on in an ongoing basis and like really kind of flattening that, like really just, you know, happening for, for years until the pandemic and then COVID hit and then all bets were off. And then the marriages just started showing their cracks you know, mm-hmm. which basically just helps me slide right into my main segment here about Ashley Madison, um, which I didn't really know that much about. You know, it basically I was just kind of Googling stuff and I was like, what is this? I mean, it sounds um, like some sort of woman who wants to sell you like lip plumper. Does. Yeah. Or like diet pills. <laughs> yeah, both. It's like it's like diarrhea teas and lip mm-hmm. plumper and like home yes. Botox kits or something. Yeah, she's like a millennial. She's a girl boss. Yeah. You know? (laughs) She's definitely got a podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, she doesn't exist. She's not real. Okay, Um, so like never a real at all? Like there was no Ashley Madison? Never a real. There's never been a real Ashley Madison at all. I'll get to that in a second. That is crazy. Okay. 
So it's an online dating site that was founded in 2012. Oh, sorry, 2002 for married people looking to have extramarital affairs. Um, and it is reportedly having a boon year because of the pandemic. Uh, so you may remember Ashley Madison, you know, anyone who reads the newspaper often. Um, because the they newspaper? Have Come on, Kim. The newspaper. What is this, adult friend finder? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 2015. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Get a subscription to The Economist? I don't know. Um, <laughs> they had a seriously insane hack that destroyed a lot of lives in 2015. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh about it because it <laughs> I mean, it sounds, you know, <laughs> listen. It sounds devastating if you're involved in it. It, it was. For me as an outsider, like, I remember all – like, this was another one that Gawker loved writing about. Oh, did it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Gawker okay. was always mm-hmm. writing about, like, blind items about people who had been swept up in this. Yes. <sighs> yes, people really – the press really had a heyday on it because they love they loved pointing out who was involved. Yes, yes. Um, You know, and – uh, I I was telling people a couple people you know what that I was talking about this on the podcast this week and everyone's like are they still around yes yes they are ve- they're very much so still around and they are very very successful wow so according to venturebeat.com who interviewed Pete Keeble this the chief strategy officer in the very early part of the pandemic, like March 2020, like right when the pandemic happened. So he was saying that during 2019, before COVID even existed, was just like, you know, uh, an the app, what is it? The something of the eye, the the sparkle of the the what? Just a gleam of <laughs> the gleam of the seed of just didn't exist. All right, we'll do that. The company. <laughs> it's just a glimmer in at, someone's eye. There, there you go. go. I had to like think about gl- it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The company added 15,500 new members a day globally. Okay. 15,500 new members were being added a day globally. So that they could cheat so, on their spouse. Yes, yes. And then more recently, in the midst of COVID-19, like literally right at the beginning, like this is March of 2020. This is like right at the beginning of the pandemic. This is before people were getting really sick of each other. Wow. Well, some Um, people knew already. (laughs) Yeah, writing on the wall. They were like, oh, I'm not going to be able to deal with this. Yeah. (laughs) They were adding 17,000 new members a day. Wow. Um, So I don't have the new numbers, but you can only imagine. So like, you know, Within like 30 days, not, what is it? Not even 30 days of the pandemic. Well, you just, <laughs> like well, if you know, of, you know. Days of the pandemic, you know. it, was already, it was already significantly up. I mean, what I'm going to say is going to sound really mean of me, but early in the pandemic, there were several couples that I knew that I was like, I don't know if those people are going to be married when this is over. Uh-huh. Like you just, you just know, sometimes you just know, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like how big's their house i think i think there's a lot of things to take into into account how much time did they actually spend together before the pandemic because mm-hmm. i mean even for me i was like well 
Dustin and I travel 50% of the time. Like, what will it be like when Dustin and I see each other every day, you know? Yeah. Um, It's been great, actually. But I was nervous about it because I was like, we don't really know what it's like to hang out every day all the time, you know? Totally. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, how many projects can you have to keep yourselves, like, exclusively busy? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and like, and then how easily can you separate yourselves? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. No, and it's hard. And if you're used to like traveling a lot or hanging a lot with your friends a lot, maybe you're like someone who's like, I'm going skiing all weekend with my friends or something like that. Like you, I don't even know why I use that example. Not like any of us do that. But yeah, I'm like, well, baller. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is the thing that- Amanda, you skier. I didn't even <laughs> I realize. Like, this is my brain went to like- what do like guys who like sports bars do on the it's weekend? Like glamping. Yeah, I have and, no idea. I have no idea. I'm like talking about like, some now I'm, brunching. I'm just like talking about people I don't even know right now. But yeah, uh, right. I I feel like, you know, if you were used to having your own life, when Dustin and I first moved in together, I was like, uh, I'm not gonna be able to handle this. This is making me crazy. But at least I got to go to work every day and travel and stuff. So it like eased me into it. But like if the day we had moved in together, also the pandemic began, I don't know if we would have made it because it was hard to be together like that all the time after being alone mm-hmm. all the time. So I am sympathetic to some people who maybe had to go through a really tough adjustment and realize, I mean, you know, people are in all kinds of relationships and not all of them are good. Mm-hmm. Imagine, think about some people you've dated and being quarantined with them because I think about that periodically and I like get a sense of panic. Yes. Maybe I'd be on Ashley Madison too. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Although can I just say, you know, why I know you're the same way. We're both very careful and uptight about the pandemic and like, you know, being safe, not hanging out with other people, not going out, not getting on airplanes and stuff. And I would I can't believe, I mean, I can't believe this. If you're having an affair during a pandemic, are you like essentially exposing your family to risk of getting COVID? I think it's a lot of just talking to people. That's it's like emotional depressing. affairs. That's so depressing. Like it's a lot of emotional affairs. Yeah. Emotional affairs. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I mean, I don't actually know what it is. I That's... I don't I think that that actually that sounds extremely irresponsible. Yeah, if if they were yeah, exposing their family to right? other so you people think, that, that doesn't you, sound right. You think that the people were just doing the pen palling. Pen palling around. I think they're pen palling a lot. Okay, okay. So I'm also going to get into some other stuff here that's going to oh, maybe <laughs> that's maybe going to like open some some doors up okay, a little bit okay. to to kind of may, maybe what these relationships actually entail. So Keeble claimed that back in the 2000s, before Ashley Madison existed, there was a trend in seeing users, and of course, we know that it still exists, pretending to be single on these dating apps. (sighs) In fact, up to 30% of the profiles were actually married (gasps) people. 30%? Yes. How can you win as a single person? Man. Oh, I hate that. It's gunking up these online profiles, yeah. which is, of course, you know, it's a terrible user experience. Yeah. And a lot of these sites, you know, they didn't want these people on here trolling the traditional sites, you know, they would prefer they would be somewhere else because it's just, it's not, it's not a fun experience for them. 
Um, so this really indicated to the founder, Darren J. Morgenstern, that clearly there was a market for this type of the site early on, and it was big. So he created a place where people could be a little more honest in terms of what they were looking for and meet people looking for a similar relationship without stigma. So he founded Ashley Madison. And the name literally just comes from two very popular women's names from the time period, which is actually hilarious. Ashley and Madison are, so you know, like co-eds essentially from yeah. the 2002. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it does exactly. have like a youthful vibe to it. It it does, and I think it definitely attracts an older, maybe an older gentleman. Or a younger gentleman. Some it 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 feels <laughs> it feels like you're dating a younger person. It does. It does. That's ex- it, it has it has a vibe for sure. Yes. Um, you know, and the best part is the motto, which is simple: uh, life is short. Have an affair. <laughs> Straight to the point. Yep, straight to the point. Oh my god, that is so funny. And I mean, they made the site wow. deliberately extremely suggestive and compelling to men. Obviously, with the name like <sighs> Ashley and Madison. Ashley Madison, you know, like um promising absolute discretion, um anonymous and um an- anonymity and offering a great time. Uh, tapping into really primitive elements of the male curiosity. You know, it is clearly set up to appeal to men as opposed to women. You know, you go to the site and it has that sort of strange, lightly cringy, kind of after hours vibe going. Wait, I'm going to look at it right now. It's basically got a woman doing like a hush symbol. And then all profiles are essentially women talking. So it basically looks like there's a lot of women interacting with this site so it's like a guy it's basically like oh there's tons of women on this site you know yeah definitely you get that vibe from the homepage. so i have a question mm-hmm. um you know like how bars i mean i don't think this i've never been to one of these but i remember it being like a trope on television shows like bars would have like singles night yes and like they might cover like charge a cover at the door for men, but not for women, and that's like the incentive to get women in there, or women get drink specials that men don't. If you have a website that is really designed to be appealing to men, how do you get the women to come and participate in it? Because otherwise, you're going to sort of lose your membership pretty fast if you don't have enough women there to keep these men engaged. I think it's actually free for women. Um, and then mm. men have to pay for credits. It's free to have an account, but you have to pay credits to chat. I just was wondering, like, is like looking at the site, it looks like it's for men. Like, it, it looks like it, it's like yeah. a scam it's, where it's yeah. just all these honeys who are going to go out with you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's really interesting because I'm going to keep breaking this down. And okay. you're, you're, I don't really quite understand their business model and why would it be appealing for any women? <laughs> essentially um yeah so back in 2009 um megan dome of the la times interviewed the ceo noel bitterman who explained that according to their user data and all their tracking info um you know 70 percent were men and i quote 
the majority of the men who tend to be in their late 30s to early 40s are married. The women Mm -hmm. who skew a bit younger fall into three categories, okay? They skew to be a bit younger. Um, The suburban housewife who's seeking validation in her desirability. The quintessential Mm -hmm. mistress who's not interested in a family life but wants things like trips and dinners out. Um, You know, and is basically looking for a sugar daddy. Um, and women who've been married only a short time and suddenly wonder why, what they got themselves into. So he claims that there's a lot of looky-loos, you know, men particularly setting up accounts, but not actually engaging so that the ratio to men and women actually evened out to one to one, which Hmm. I don't really think is actually the case because we will figure this out because of the data breach. So um, many, (laughs) many, many men, as well as some women, mind you, as well as lots of politicians and CEOs were frequenters, which was then revealed in this massive, and I mean massive hack in 2015 that stole not just all of its user data, emails, names, addresses, but also sexual fantasies and credit card info. Exactly sexual fantasies which is just so private and just oh just absolutely yeah. just i mean what a nightmare nightmare honestly i i feel i have always and continue to feel sympathetic for all these people yes. you know and it revealed oh. that 32 million people used the site or at least had signed up Yes. That is a lot of people. Yes. 32 million wow. people. I mean, obviously, it had set, it was set up in 2002. So 2002 to 2015, they acquired 32 million users. Now, this is where it gets kind of spotty, you know? And this is where the trouble started. And this is where they kind of got into trouble. So if you wanted to delete your account... Even a prank account, because, you know, boys will be boys. You had to pay them a $19 fee. The hackers? No. You had to pay... Ashley Madison? Ashley Madison $19 to to, to wipe the memory and delete that your is, account of, all, of everything. Wow. And guess that what? That is so unethical. They didn't actually even delete your account or wipe it from the system memory so no matter even if you paid the 19 dollars fee they didn't do it what so the hackers found this out and it it was a the moral reason behind the hackers issue and so there was actually another hack that had happened from another one of these. It was like an adult friend finder or something that had done it, had basically ha- done this, a similar hack a couple years earlier and had um, uh, threatened for, uh, they wanted money essentially. Um, these people, they just wanted Ashley Madison uh, to shut down completely because but of the, all the, wasn't, Right, because of the scamming, of the right? Scamming, yes. But like, wasn't and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but didn't some of this information make its way into the media? Oh, oh yes, no, just wait. So they basically were okay. like, "All right, we we hacked everything. 
Ashley Madison. Um, and I posted here that um, there's an image that says Time's Up. Avid Life Media, you know, um, has failed to take down Ashley Madison. Um, we've explained fraud, deceit, and the stupidity of to the members. Now everyone's going to get the data. So essentially, they were just like, if you don't take down the site, we're going to release all the data. And then... <laughs> You know, it, now that then it's the responsibility of Ashley Madison that the data is being leaked. Wow. Yes. So basically, this none of this would have happened in the first place if Ashley Madison had been deleting yes. people's information yes. as they were paying. And my assumption here is that because Ashley Madison is still around, that they didn't pull the site down. No, they refused to so pull they, the site down. And then, so they just the hackers released all everything. They released everything. Oh my god! Yes. And I feel, man, like I, it was catastrophic. I see what the hackers were trying to do, but like, what a way to just like, just, yeah, ruin fuck over people's everyone. lives because, yeah, because you're trying to make some sort of statement, yeah. and also to Ashley Madison. I can't believe it's still around because this would not have happened if they had been like actually honoring that $19 agreement. Yes. Yes. I mean, Ugh. I mean, there were suicides, there were failed marriages, there were threatened careers. I mean, people were harassed for years afterward because everyone had their 32 million people had all of their, their information released. So they were being harassed with frauds and schemes for years still now. Wow. To this day. That is so sad. Yeah, it's it's and really messed bad. I, up. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure there's there's a bunch of court uh, cases and things against them as well. That's what I was wondering. Did anyone sue Ashley Madison? Uh, yeah, because, I, I'm sure I mean, there was a bunch. They of, were at fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't go deep down into the the suing thing. I was just kind of, <laughs> I was just fall. I was following wow. the trends a little bit more um, closely. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure that that there was definitely some backlash, but honestly, it didn't really hurt them. But I'm actually going to take you down. Which is crazy. I know. I'm going to take you down a little bit more because okay. Annalee Newitz at Gizmodo did actually some data crunching when all this data was released and discovered an even bigger scam. Actually, I don't think it's a bigger scam, but another scam. Ashley Madison was running under the cover of some really chatty, flirty robots. So she found the presence of what she calls fembots, 70,000 okay. of them, <laughs> that worked as the ultimate sales force that targeted men specifically. When new men would Just come... 70,000 yeah. fake women. Fake <gasps> women would come sniffing. So when men would come sniffing around the site and make a discreet account to kind of see what was going around, going on, the fembots would uh -huh. jump into action and message them posing as a potentially interested lady. Then the unaware men would then pay the fee to respond to the fembot and get the service going. And apparently this had a staggering 80% conversion rate. <laughs> Oh my god. So 80% god. of these first time account guys would fall for the lure of these fembots. Oh, that's so sad. So not only yeah, not wow. only is this this is all public knowledge that like that that basically this is just this this kind of garb this 
Ashley Madison is like not deleting your accounts. You're paying this money. There's fembots. There's fake, just tons of fake women on this account. Like, like it's very obvious that they're just fraudulent. Lots of fraud happening. How is Ashley Madison still around? Not only that, but on the Wikipedia page, there's a note that says in 2012, a former employee, this was even before this, in, in 2012, a former employee claimed in a lawsuit that she was requested to create thousands of fake female accounts attractive to male customers, resulting in repetitive stress injury. <laughs> and the case was settled on a court. Oh, my God. I mean, I just – I can't – I mean, I guess, you know, we see plenty of horrible companies who are irresponsible yeah. around. How many times has Facebook been hacked? Facebook, like – ruined a whole election. I could go on and on. Yeah. And Facebook is still going strong, or at least to some extent. But like this Ashley Madison situation is so egregious. Yes. It's like, how could anybody trust them ever again? Because once again, signing up for a website to have an affair puts you in a very vulnerable position if that information ever gets out. And also if you heard that there's 70,000 fake women on there chatting with you, yeah, how are you supposed to believe that the women that chat with you now in 2021 on Ashley Madison are real? Like, this blows my mind. I think people are just they, – they they will take the chance because this is – this is the – this is like – there's only a few places that you can you can access this option. There's like – there is Adult Friend Fighter. And there's another app called Gleedon, and it's made by women for discreet encounters. Mm. And it's that one is free for women. I did a little bit of research on some other stuff, but I really, mm-hmm. I really nailed into Ashley Madison because I was so curious about this thing. Um, anyway, the number of the, the the numbers of the gender disparities are actually really dodgy because it's, it was harder to analyze that data of the accounts and understand who was a woman and who was a man also who was real and who was fake. And there's also, you know, there's straight men and there's straight women and there's um, gay men. There's, there's gay women. There's, you know, like it's, it's, there's, there's, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot to go there, but the number that I did find that seemed to be mildly reliable was that 14% of the total actual real users ended up being women straight and gay so 14 percent were women that were real accounts and the rest are men um and press did have a field day with this obviously um and you would think that it would just completely completely decimate the brand yeah that's what i'm saying there was so much coverage of this at the time because it's salacious but you know you know what people having an affair are salacious Kind of. I mean, yeah. but they provided a service that was and still is in high demand. And it was kind of a case of all press, kind of good press. So this chief strategy officer, Keeble, explained, and I quote, obviously that brought our numbers down. But even during the worst moments of that period, we were signing up more than 100,000 people a day. The massive spread of media coverage, a lot of those people were just signing up thinking, what is this? Is this for real? But we also saw revenues jump during that small time frame. 
So in February of 2019, Ashley Madison hit the 60 million members, which is nearly double the members from the 2015 hack. So there you go. And I don't really know the true ratio that, you know, I mean, we, we, we said the claim, it, they, they claim to have it more balanced now. I recently read that now currently that the, the ratio is 71% men to 29% women. But I mean, you go to the site, we've said it before, it clearly is geared toward men. Um, so I don't really know how they're getting real female accounts, um, you know, or, you know, you know, maybe they're just, they, they, they must have some sort of onboarding service or, you know, or they are attractive. It's attractive to a certain type of woman who wants a certain type of man, you know? I would think so. I mean, I was I was expecting that you were going to tell me that there are all these women on there looking for sugar daddies. I think that there are. That's definitely the case. I think so too. In 2020 and 2021, for sure, because that whole industry, if you will, of sugaring is like bigger Sugaring's than ever. Huge, and I didn't go deep down that rabbit hole. Um, and you know, Ashley Madison didn't have a whole ton to talk about on that, but. Um, I have a feeling that that's probably a pretty big one. <laughs> yeah, I has it has to be. Um, I do. I mean, not like Ashley Madison's ever going to reveal this, but I wonder. We don't have any proof that these so-called fembots are gone. They they claim to have gotten rid of their fembots, but we don't know don't if they've gotten rid of their fembots. Yeah, I mean they're obviously a super sketchy company. And not not a sketchy company because they're helping people have affairs. That's everyone's personal business, yeah, right? Absolutely. They're sketchy in that they have behaved unethically between not deleting people's information after they paid nineteen dollars for it. Nineteen dollars. That is so messed up. I really am outraged by that. Yeah. And then they they put all these people's lives and you know relationships and careers in jeopardy Absolutely. by refusing to just shut down for a little bit and give in to the hackers or whatever. I mean, I do think every time there's like a major hacking of some website, uh, it always comes out that the place knew for like six months before they revealed it. And so it's not like in, to a certain extent, it's like, it's not like Ashley Madison has behaved any less ethically than say Facebook has in similar situations or like, um, Remember when Target was hacked, you know, and they took t- – I mean, tons of people had to get, like, you know, identity theft protection and new cards yes. and stuff. And I I guess I just the, – the $19 thing and the fembots really bums me out. But yeah. I also know that the majority of social media has become weird bots and stuff like that. And so that part of it is – it's just like this world that we live in right now. It it's like the fembots were there to turn them to turn on the sale, like to get that initial dollar sale, which is just. I mean, it's so so smart, though. Slimy. It is. It is. It's so slimy. But it's, it's really, slimy. really smart. I, I'm like, and they must have wow. just increased their numbers. I mean, eighty percent conversion rate. When you're adding, what was it? It was like fifteen point five thousand people a day. Yeah, I that mean, wild. that's a lot of money. 
It's if you have an eight percent conversion rate and you, all you're doing is you got seventy thousand robots just working for you. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned so much today. I definitely have so much to think about. Um, you know, just I think Ashley Madison is this really interesting sort of like model and kind of like quandary about the ethics of the internet, not the ethics of infidelity or anything like that, no. but just like what it is to be a responsible company that is running some sort of social media or internet service. I think that's what it's really about. Like it's a good case study. And how they weren't even re- like affected. Dude. Like <laughs> – I wonder what their pay. You're totally right about their their payout. I'm gonna Google them. Facebook has obviously come under a lot of fire over the past few years, and while plenty of people still belong to Facebook and use it, I know that Facebook's business has suffered from all of that stuff. Has it gone away? No, mm-hmm. it's because there's still. It's like unfortunately, Facebook is so built into a lot of the other apps. And websites that we use that I don't know how we all get away from Facebook. You know, I remember a couple years ago, I had quit Facebook and I couldn't log into my Spotify account anymore. (laughs) And then I was like trying to shop somewhere or something and couldn't either. And so I had to reactivate my account. So I still see, though, how Facebook has been affected. You know, that's why they're trying to push so hard for shopping and whatnot on Instagram. But to see Ashley Madison doing better than ever after all of that, I mean, that is like, that's some scumbag behavior. Wait, you want to hear something? Not even like, not even joking here. This is what it says on Wikipedia. It says, in August 2015, after its customer records were leaked by hackers, a 576 million class action lawsuit was filed against the company. In 2015, the parent company of Ashley Madison agreed to pay only $11.2 million to settle the class Jeez. action lawsuit. Wow. On behalf of approximately 37 million users. So what did everybody get? Like a check for five bucks or something? Not even. Right? I guess if it was $11 million on behalf of 37 million. That's it? $11 million? So That's everybody it? got like That's 25 it. cents? Well, that was before lawyers That's fees. it. Al- wow. $11 million. That's like... Um, I mean, and they they recouped it in a, a heartbeat. Well, it is interesting. Like when things like this happen, you know, people you, they fall into two categories in these situations: the people who are like horrified and make a note to themselves that they will never use Ashley mm-hmm. Madison, and then there are the other people who are like, "Huh, I didn't know about this site for looking for you know right. an affair. I'm going to go sign up right now." <laughs> yeah, that's a great I idea. I didn't realize that People existed. Are so funny. Like, what great like, marketing. Hearing all this stuff from you, there's no way in hell I'd ever do the Ashley Madison. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, oh, all this data got leaked. Oh, you can't you can't delete your entire cat like <laughs> Oh gosh. I'll take the risk. Yeah, I know. But people do that <laughs> stuff. You know, I remember huh? early in the pandemic when, you know, let's be real. Things were really, really scary. I mean, they still are. But mm-hmm. I was I read an article and it was like, I don't know, it was something that Apple News served me. And it was, you know, it was from a reputable. It was like from the Washington Post or something. And it was about people who were traveling more than ever 
because the deals were so good and they were forming these like traveling groups so that they wouldn't have to travel alone. And it was just like everything that you shouldn't be doing in April of 2020. And I remember being like, what is wrong with people? (laughs) You know, (laughs) these are the same people who'd be like, oh, I'm going to sign up for Ashley Madison now, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, you learn something new every day. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about catfishing. Speaking of scammy internet behavior, uh, man, I could talk about catfishing for like eight hours straight because I've watched every season of the show. (laughs) I have many thoughts about it. Um, I've I've observed some miniature trends from my extensive catfish watching, but I also am going to do some research and talk about the development of the concept and kind of like the psychology behind it. Um, because remember, catfishing isn't just the people faking. It's the people who were into it. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. The people like really obsessed with the culture and like and the story and wanting to know what was the catfish. Yeah. So we're going to be talking all about that next week. And please don't forget, send us your dating stories. We want to hear them. Mm-hmm.